Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about a thing that maybe um, I don't know a bunch of, but you know a bunch of, or I know a bunch of, and maybe you don't know a bunch of? Yeah, sure. Are we going to talk about, um, I don't know, books <laughs> that I have recently been reading? Seriously. <laughs> books, anime, boy, we could talk about any of those things. But actually, that's not what we're going to talk about. So let's cue music and find out. And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. I'm just going to warn you guys today, before we get started with our topic, um, we don't have notes today. Yeah. Normally we have <laughs> some notes, but this week has been a very busy week for me. We'll talk about it in the, um, we'll talk about it later in the Bamboo Lounge, the specifics of it, but I've been super busy this week. Um, and so we don't have written notes. We have a topic because um, you all provided us a topic. And we're going to do something a little different. We'll talk about it right after Senda introduces the topic. Sure. Um, so today's topic comes to us from, um, I am not sure how to say this in an out loud kind of way. So bear with me. It is either Malefic 7M or Malefic7M. I'm not sure, right? Um, having said that, here is our topic for the night, um, for the day. What, what time is it? I don't know. Whenever day. you're listening to us. Sure. Um, while I'm no Jim Bowie, I've been outdoorsy since I could walk and also have done military service, and I've experienced other players playing games set in the wilderness who clearly lack understanding of navigation, flora slash fauna, and the elements. What makes it difficult is when the GM is also clueless. I once set a game in the 80s when over half the group was computer people, so I didn't need to deal with that. And my question is, how do you deal with players having special knowledge that pertains to the campaign that you as the GM don't have, both in one-shots and campaigns? Which, to be clear, if I was playing a game that required that level of knowledge of outdoor knowledge, I would also be that person who would be like, I don't know, is there something about moss on trees that tells me a direction? Yikes. I I mean, but let's be clear. You have hiked more than I have. Okay, I mean, that's fair, but like I can do some super basic safety stuff and I know which direction the sun goes in the sky. But if you expect me to find my direction at night by the stars or something, like, can I reliably find the North Star? No. Uh Uh-uh. Do I know that that's what I'm supposed to find? Yes. Can I find it? No. (laughs) Okay, so here's the deal. This actually happens a lot in games. Your players have lives and areas of knowledge and know stuff. And sometimes games require that knowledge. Sometimes games um, do not. Like sometimes a game is so far removed. Like if we're all playing superheroes, I mean, none Eh. of us are a superhero, so there's no specific knowledge. Or sometimes things are so far removed, like we're playing a um, far, like a a very distant um, sci-fi game none of that really matters like either because nobody like knows how a warp drive works or yeah we're kind of making it up anyway 
I think where it becomes an issue mostly is when you're playing things that are um, either close enough that we understand them directly right now. So things that are sort of around modern era, not doesn't have to precisely only be modern era, but things that are around and relate to our current understanding of science, technology, etc. Um, and then on top of that, the other thing is when you are playing in IPs that people can know really well, right? Like, so if I'm going to run a Lord of the Rings game, this could come up. Uh, absolutely. Right. So, yeah. So this is so this is absolutely a thing. Uh, I have encountered it numerous times. I'm running a Knights Black Agents game, which is set in the modern world, which means that stuff that my players are aware of um, in their from their own lives are valid things that could come up in, in my game. Uh, and I can do only so much to stay on top of them um, or ahead of them. Right. In many cases. And. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that through some examples as we talk about this topic today. Now, I mentioned before we have no notes. Right. We do not. <laughs> so how are we going to how are we going to make an episode out of this topic? Well, we have a perfect example for us to work from where we can have a conversation. Sunday and I are just gonna have a conversation and we'll tease out of it kind of important gaming information from it. Um, while we're having this conversation. So send us set up what is our perfect example of this? Yeah, so we are going to create a theoretical situation in which I am running a Star Trek campaign for Phil. Or Phil is one of my players in a Star Trek campaign. Now, yes. to lay all this out very clearly, um, it's not that I have never experienced Star Trek, right? I'm not like I've seen an episode or something, right? I have watched... Um, a large portion of TNG, um, even more of DS9, and even you know, of, and also of Voyager, and really enjoyed all of those. But have I watched the original series? I've seen like two episodes of the original series, right? Um, am I up to date on like Discovery? No, I am not up to date on Discovery, right? So um, I have a good amount of Star Trek knowledge in terms of the tropes and the basics of the setting and like the kind of people and like the setup of a starship and like the command structure. All the yep. species, you like you got mastery, yeah. like you know all the species, major species, right? Like all right. of those. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, you are and fully you are fully versed in Trek. Are you uh, a Trek nerd? You absolutely are. Are you, you know, a completionist? No, no, like you have not watched like, you know, we've not like you said, you didn't watch TOS. You haven't watched the animated series. None yeah. of that really matters. Right. You have more than enough knowledge to easily, easily run a TNG era um, Star Trek campaign, like more than enough knowledge to pull this off. Yeah. And and to be clear, um, like for many people, my knowledge of Star Trek would be completely sufficient. But for Phil, who has seen most of these series multiple times and remembers significantly more details about them than I personally do, um, this would be that kind of situation, right? <laughs> like, yeah, we, we thought this would be a really good situation because um, I, I'm not a rivet counter, uh, and that is a term that I learned from the Titanic um, fandom Rivet counters, like literally, we're counting the rivets on the plates of the yeah, ship during accurate? the filming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm no rivet counter, but sure, like 
I'm also the one who created the watch lists for you to watch all the yes. Star Trek, right? I cultivated like those lists. And um, and before that, I had seen the series multiple times and the, all the movies. And um, my roommate in college wrote a Trek novel every semester. Um, so like I, like, I have been a Trek nerd since like the late 80s. Right. It's been so, a long time. I, I think you are a little it's bit been more. It's long. Sorry, <laughs> you are you are more uh, steeped in it, which means that it just has permeated your psyche longer yeah. and just lives there in your head. Yeah. It's a um, very comfortable place for me. Cool. Yeah. So, Senda is going to run. Our Senda is going to run a campaign. I'm going to be a player in it. Let's talk about the challenges. Let's really first, really quickly, I want to actually ask you this because I am not sure personally that there is a difference. Do you think there is a difference for this type of situation we've just set up if it is a one shot versus if it is a campaign? I think it is only so I think the I think the issues are the same. I think the difference is. How long do you have oh, yeah. to pull it off, right? Like, How long do you in, have to deal with the consequences of your decisions? <laughs> yeah, like in a so in a in the case of a one shot, you only need to like we need to make this work for four hours, Ish, right? Yeah, which same. means that you have more than enough knowledge to pull off four hours. Although we are going to talk about some of the challenges because there are things that could come up in that session where I could easily pull knowledge out from past episodes. Yeah. Like you, those you kinds could, of things. You could destroy my entire plot if I forgot, you know, a Federation rule about wormholes or something and that wormhole was central to my entire storyline, right? Like, Correct. <laughs> yeah. That and could that, totally so, happen. Yeah, and these are the things we're going to get into. So I don't think... That I don't think that there are different issues for one shots and campaigns. I think that the major thing is um, you only have to pull this off for a smaller amount of time. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, we don't have a script. Where should we no, start no. this conversation? I know where to start. Okay. So the campaign is the campaign has been declared. Okay. Other players have signed on. I have also been like, yes, I would be very interested in playing. Privately, you and I are talking right now here in this podcast, right? The other players are not around. So I'm going to say to you, hey, um, I know that like I'm a big old Trek nerd. Um, and this is clearly your game. You're running it, your campaign world. What is your biggest concern that like my like knowledge could like what's the biggest problem or concern you have that my knowledge could create in a game and then let's talk about how like we can deal with that right and i think actually what i said earlier which is that i may not know because i think a lot of these have come up in individual episodes and as we've said i have not been a completionist in terms of star trek and even if i was frankly i've seen everything i'm talking about once right and so like you know the the precise details of things may have flown my mind because um that's not necessarily the kind of information that my brain holds on to the hardest because it isn't the kind of thing that gets me through my day-to-day -day life, right? I enjoy the episode. I move on to the next episode and maybe, you know, I don't know, see how much of that sticks, you know? That's just how I roll. Um, so I think walking into a campaign with you, 
Um, the thing that I would be probably the most concerned about would be um, remembering um, kind of the, the Federation rules about various situations. Because I know that there's like some, there's treaties, there's alliances, there's, um, you know, laws about what you engage with, what you don't engage with, um, and all of that kind of stuff. And some of that stuff I've seen. And also, like, I'm thinking of one thing right now that I can't remember the name of, right? Like, the the molecule that you is like super secret <laughs> like oh right so that's so great that's that's a that's the omega particle and yeah it's that guy one so it's from, from one, one episode one episode one of voyager, episode of voyager. Yes. that's it yeah. <laughs> right i think it's the omega particle right um yeah, i don't remember that's why i was like bringing it up it's that kind of thing i'm not necessarily going to remember which i could very well potentially set up a scenario that you walk into and go oh well this is actually a breach of the so-and-so protocols. So like we can't engage with this or these aliens who are doing this thing, we have to stop them instead of being their allies or like whatever it is. Right. You know, um, that is the thing that I think I would be the most concerned about. Okay. So I think that there's really two pieces of this that I want to tease out for us as a, as a learning, as a learning piece, right. For everybody. Um, the first one is, and this is, I think a session zero discussion is adherence to canon. Yes. Right? How a conversation about how adhering to canon you will be with everybody. Exactly. How yes. hardcore are we going to be about adhering to canon, right? Because the truth of the matter is, no matter what the IP is, and Star Trek is pretty tight about their IP, but they still contradict themselves. Yes. Right? <laughs> From series to series, they have at times contradicted themselves. So I, I mean, think the Klingons, let's just <laughs> right. So I think the first and most important thing in our session zero, right, is to talk about, and this I think is not actually so much a, a difference in knowledge topic. This is playing in an established IP topic, yeah, that's which fair. is what is our adherence to canon, right? Mm-hmm. How tight are we going to be to canon? Um, because there could be, for me as a player, there could be a breaking point, right? So if you're like, hey... I want to play Star Trek, but like, I don't really want to like have to pay attention to canon. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. I probably will bow out of that game yeah. because, because I would be like, for me, the thing I want to play in Star Trek is to be in the canon. Now, not rigidly in the canon, but like, I want it to feel like one of like, I want it to feel like one of the Star Trek shows, whichever one by tone we pick. I want it to feel like that. And if and if your preference was like to play so loosey goosey, not that I'm saying you would, but if but as hypothetically if it was, yeah. If it was, I personally would just bow out of that and be like, no, that's cool. You should play that game. I'm not the right person for this game. Yeah. Cool. And then I just I want to wrap this back to the more real life examples too, which is like if you're planning like a wilderness um sort of Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? But like, if it's a, if it's sort of gonna be a wilderness challenge, sure, kind of sure, adventure, like a hex crawl kind of thing, right? But like, if if you are intentionally walking into it with um, a knowledge that um, you as the GM, like the primary um, concern here is going to be this is you know you versus the elements, um, then I also think that this is a conversation that you have in advance, partially because. You can say to your players, hey, I expect this to be realistic, not that you can just make something up, right? Like, so what that tells me as a player is that 
I can decide if I want in or out of this game with that level of realism, right? If that works for me. And with something like outdoor knowledge or, or things along those lines, I could go do some basic research before mm -hmm. the game so that I know some things like knowing going in that that's what I'm going to be doing, right? Um, I can make sure that I know a couple of different ways to start a fire if I don't have anything to start a fire with. I can make sure that I have an understanding of like how to find directions. I can, um, you know, just look up some of the base level stuff that my kind of character in that kind of setting should know, right? That's mm -hmm. a little bit different. That's like if the GM is a specialist, um, but also like as a GM running that game, knowing that what I'm interested in is having a super realistic um, wilderness experience as a GM, I should also be doing some of that research. Agreed. But it also means if I'm a GM and I'm like, I think I want to do a cool wilderness challenge thing, um, but I'm not necessarily worried about realism, right? Then you as a player have the option to opt in or out depending on how important that is to you versus me as a player, like sitting next to you being like, Oh yeah, I'm going to take my shoe and like hit it against some wood until I start a fire or whatever it is. You know? Right. <laughs> couple, couple things. And I want to bring back one of my, the other piece of that yeah, the initial question. Yeah. So first of all, for, um, for a, um, for an IP, for instance, like if you're going to run Star Trek, my, the knowledge base I would recommend to you is memory alpha which yeah. is a giant ass um, Star Trek wiki or Wikipedia yeah. if it's Star Wars, whatever. Et cetera. Okay. Yeah, they're different. Yeah, and you can actually do research on those just like you said. Okay, so let's go. So the first part of that, which is I think was really good, was the session zero discussion about um, how much realism, how much or canon, adherence. how much, yep. how much much is, you know, <laughs> are we putting into yes. the game? Okay, the second part of that, which I think is still a legitimate problem or, or legitimate concern, which was, what if you know something that would blow up my my plot? Yes. Right? How okay. do we deal so, with that? Yeah. Right. So the so I so having shared that with with me, here's what I will here's what I would say to you as a mature gamer. Cool. I don't think it's possible you could know everything. It's entirely possible I'm going to remember something in an episode that you don't remember. So, what if the agreement is that? I'm going to not be a dick and and try to blow up your plots, right? I don't want to win Star Trek, right? I want to have a good time playing. Yeah. So let's acknowledge that when there's an incongruency in the game, um, I'll go with it, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with it. But I might say something to the captain. So I might hint to you, right? That there's something, yeah. That there's something. Like I might say like, Captain, this seems really irregular for Vulcans, right? Like based on our long treaty with the Vulcans, mm -hmm. I don't understand why, like, you know, I don't understand what they're up to. Now, that could be like my subtle cue to you, like, hey, we seem a little off course here, but the I'm universe is big it. and yeah. right. Well, one, I'm going with it, but also in hinting to you. Um, because I know you like to improv and stuff like that. And I am, you know, even if when I prep, I improv, um, hearing that I might at the table be like, okay, cool. I guess, I guess these Romulan or I guess these Vulcans are acting a bit weird. Cool. They're, let me quick. They're really Romulans. <laughs> yeah. Like, let me back in <laughs> a reason. Just like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to fill that in. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Cause I can say that, you know, I could say something like that to you or, you know, the captain makes a statement like, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're, we're doing this. And I could be like, captain, you know, it's against, you know, you know, previous protocols to do this. And the captain would be like, cool noted. I'm doing it. 
Yeah, because of the right? captain. Because so, because there hasn't been a time in Star Trek where that hasn't happened. Never. What but are you it, talking about? <laughs> right. But I think the important piece here, right, is when you know more. Okay, your job is when you know more as a player than the GM. Your job is not to derail the game by pushing that knowledge down. You can, if you can do it subtly in game and mention like, oh, that's, you know, really in like that, you know, oh, normally it would be like this, but I guess we're doing it like this, whatever. If you can do that subtly, that's great. If not, don't do it during the game. And it's okay after a game to be like, oh, hey, you probably haven't seen episode X. Um, but like, that's how they dealt with it in episode X, but it's fine the way, like, you know, it was cool. I'm, you know, I'm fine the way we dealt with it in our game. Yeah. Or, or also potentially as a player, just don't say anything at all. <laughs> if it's well, a one shot, you don't need to say anything. I think. Yeah. If it's a one shot, yeah. Leave it alone. Like, if it's whatever, a campaign, let them go. <laughs> yeah. If it's a campaign, you have room to kind of make those corrections because you can, when you're not in the middle of the game, you can actually be the knowledge base yeah. for your GM. So this is one of the things that I was going to say. And I, I think it's, so this is interesting, right? Because this is a little bit more mechanical, but everybody knows, or most people know that I ran an entire fourth edition campaign without ever once picking up the fourth edition books. And I did it by essentially calling in Andy, who had read the books and played it many times as my expert whenever I didn't know a rule. I was just like, hey, Andy, how does this work? And she would just say it. What's really interesting is I don't think that that style of knowledge sharing is limited to mechanical knowledge sharing, but I do think that it's an important as a GM to acknowledge that you know less than someone who's sitting at your table so that instead of being like, oh, I have to make sure that my, you know, everything looks perfect because I'm the GM and I can't let any cracks show in the facade, like I would not have a problem with you sitting at my table in a game saying, oh, that's interesting that the Vulcans wouldn't normally do that. What would you have expected from them? Or tell us about the treaty or whatever it is, right? Like I'm more than happy at the table to tap people who have more knowledge than, than me as resources as I'm playing. Um, having said that, it probably is partially because I'm very comfortable improvising. And let's be honest, if I was running this game, there would be sort of a skeletal plan and all the details would be filled out during play. And that particular style of preparation as a GM makes it really easy for me to make course corrections when I've messed something up because nothing is set in stone yet, right? Um, I was going to say one other thing that was interesting that occurred to me, which is that I think in these types of situations... Um, when it is an IP or when it is like about realism or something along those lines, it is easier as a GM to plan for a character driven game because you are less likely to create scenarios in which you've, um, you know, walked yourself into a wall or something because it doesn't agree with the canon or the realism that you're going for in the game. Um, because if you are creating something that is character driven, as a GM, then you are expecting your players with whatever knowledge level of knowledge they personally have to drive that action in many ways for you. Um, and they will drive it at the level of knowledge that they possess. And it's really actually pretty straightforward as a GM to look at someone who knows how to start a fire outside or something. And they say, I'm going to start a fire by XYZ. And you say, cool, you do it, right? I don't have to know how that works if you know how that works, because you can tell me. Yeah. So in my Knights Black Agents game, 
you know, we're playing in modern world. Um, and, and actually we play with, um, Google earth open a lot, yeah. right? Yeah, so like a lot sense. of like, <laughs> yeah, like I actually scout locations in Google earth, like, you know, warehouses and things like that. And so rather than just saying like, Oh, this is a warehouse in Budapest. Like I actually like bring up the map, zoom in and be like the, you know, the vampires are here. Yeah. Right. And then we actually use the picture like to kind of, you know, work the narrative. Now in my game, um, my co-host from Misdirected Mark, Jerry, is in the game. And Jerry um, is very knowledgeable um, because he owns a business in water treatment, um, HVAC systems, things like that. So we're looking at a lot of satellite photography, right? So there yeah. are a lot of rooftops involved yeah. here, right? <laughs> and so we'll be talking about like this structure. And Jerry will just be like, well... I think our best point of entry is to come over here by the AC ducts because there's always going to be like a venting or there's going to be this thing here or whatever. And I'm just like, cool, let it roll. Right. Like, like sounds like, right to me. You know what you're talking me. about. I'm not going to, I as the GM am not going to sit here knowing that I know very little about HVAC <laughs> and I know tell nothing Jerry about HVAC, that he but... is wrong. I'm not gonna. He knows what he's talking about. It, and exactly. I trust him as a player to not take advantage of that fact in, in like, I trust him to not make something up. I trust him to adhere to the realism that he is going for with his actual knowledge, right? That yeah. he's not going to be like, oh, there's totally a door here. <laughs> right? Well, like, and, <laughs> you know, so for a lot of those things, um, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely true, right? I trust him to, like, I trust him that he's, you know, he's using his knowledge, you know, correctly. Appropriately, If yeah. I'm, if I feel like it's going to create a, a too large of an advantage, I will engage mechanics yeah. to also help with that. So in Knights Black Agents, it's really easy. I can be like, cool, spend a point from, you know, find the appropriate skill. And yes, that's true. I believe architecture, off the top of my head, I believe architecture is one of the, um, one of the skills so I can be like, cool, spend a point of architecture. That is true. Yeah. Like there, because done. we, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes. So I think that, um, so I think that going to what you're saying is that like in, like in game and even out of game usage of your players expertise is good. And I have done this. Um, I've done this in different games um, four different topics, but it's very interesting in, in my current game with Jerry's knowledge of like industrial yeah. stuff. Like every time <laughs> you didn't like, we come up on it a, to come up so much. <laughs> no, it comes up and I'm like, cool. Because like, <laughs> and now I've gotten to the part where um, we've played enough sessions that um, before I even speak now, yeah, I just turn to Jerry and You're be like, like, Tell, right. like, what do you see? Yeah. About like, this. like, yeah, yeah. What do you like looking at, like looking at this satellite image, Tell me what you see before I start talking. Before I even lay out what's there. Yeah, yeah. it's because just better. Then, just... Again, then you have the ability, based on the knowledge that he shares, to do a little bit of improv to make all of that work together. Exactly. And not walk yourself into, you know, yeah. a, a, an exitless alley or something, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a quick mid. I'm gonna do a quick mid show recap here. Sure. Of, so far. Of, of, so far, of some things we've talked about, right? So first of all, we've talked about with IP settings. Um, and and other areas of knowledge, right? So depending on tone of your game or whatever, um, having that session zero discussion about what level of adherence slash realism, whatever, are we looking for, right? Having that tone discussion is going to be really important. Two, 
We've talked about no blowing up plots. If yeah. the GM gets it wrong, yeah, in the middle of the game, don't let it be. Just let it be wrong. Just go with it. Right. If you want to work out a thing with your GM where you can, like if your like if your GM was not feeling very confident and was like, "Hey, um, you know, if I ever kind of miss the mark, can you subtly work it into the game and tell me?" We can do the thing that like we talked about before, where like, you know. The, you know, my character would say something like, clearly this isn't, you know, like, clearly something's up. Like, you know, Vulcans would never do this. And then, you know, let the GM in the background kind of retrofit the game to, you know, aliens to have taken possessions sense. of the, yeah, they're whatever really Romulans. It it's it Q. Like, it doesn't matter, yeah, right? It's like, Q is always the correct answer. In a if you don't know what to do, it's I don't Q. know what's going on. Something is weird. Awesome. It's I have Q. no notes for tonight. It's Q. It's yeah. Q. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Happy birthday to you from Q, by the way. That we'll talk about cool. that also. In oh, the in the Bamboo Lounge. Lounge. Good, good yeah. plan. Good plan. Um, okay, so we so we talked about like just like don't uh, derail it. I, I mean, here's the thing: I have sat at tables as a player, and um, I know a reasonable amount of IT stuff. Right? I'm by no means any kind of security expert or anything, but I know a reasonable amount of how computers go. Um, I've been in IT for twenty something years. I have played where people will say things about computers and I will be like, in my head, I'll be like, yeah, that is not how computers work. <laughs> but also, let me just say, I love the movie Hackers. And that has so, very little with how computers work. Very little to do with how computers but it, it, But it has cool visuals for let like me tell you, hacking the number of, through the cyberspace. <laughs> the Woo. number of IT people who love hackers is, <laughs> is quite high. Has very little to do with computers at any level yet we all still love it and i would play in a game built on that universe in a heartbeat i knowing i could run that game right yeah i don't think i could run a super real you could have run that you could have run that game with what you knew about it when you were in publishing yes let alone like what you actually know about <laughs> it being in it right yeah because yeah. there's no com there's no actual it there's in no that. actual computers in that the point being is that you can you can derive enjoyment from something that is quote about computers when it's not realistic. Yeah, um, and that is, and it's all about the session zero, so that you know what your expectations are going in. Because if you were going to sit down and tell, and and you were expecting a game in which you wanted real computers, and I started running you hackers, you would probably be like, "What is happening?" Why is there like a cityscape of random glowing characters that 100%. I am traveling through right now? No. 100%. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. 100%. <laughs> that would absolutely happen. And yes, that is why going all the way back to the beginning, our first, you know, these session Always zero session questions zero. are key. Yep. Cool. Okay. That's our mid, that's our mid discussion kind of recap. Um, let's, um, do you want to flip the table and I'll ask you a question? Sure. Okay. I'm just, so I'm going to just try to think here off, off the top of my head. Okay. And then, all right. So let's see. My biggest concern, if we were playing, um, so clearly one of my first concerns is going to be that session zero question. Yes. How, yep. how tight are we? How tight are okay. we playing? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Okay, so I think my big concern is my big concern is I don't want to be a pain in the ass at the table, right? I don't want you to be psyched out about mm -hmm. me knowing more about the game than you do, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to be 
I don't want to. I don't want to be the like you know. Oh, I, I can't do this. That guy. <laughs> I really don't want to be that guy. Thank you. I don't want to be that guy. Um, that's the best way to put it. Thank yeah. you. I don't want to be that guy. Right. Like. Yeah. You know. But actually. Yeah. Well, I was actually, like, well, actually. Right. Well, actually, in TNG, right? In Roger episode Gaynar, XYZ, yeah. there yeah. was a moment where this happened, so we can't do this plot. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's the flip side. Um, of it. So I guess the first thing would be my first question would be is um, how can how can I use my knowledge of the setting without me being the well actually guy? Right? Yeah. Like what how like how would I like if I think of something from a show or something I remember or whatever and want to bring it into the game like how do you want that to happen so that it is you know like so that it's realistic like i have a wealth of information of oh i think i'm teasing out my own well i have a thought so when when you get to the end of that uh, let me just finish that thread real quick and then i'll pass it right back to you while phil the player has a bunch of knowledge ensign you know so and so my character probably doesn't yeah so yes that's probably my first that's probably my biggest concern is i don't want my personal knowledge pushed through my character making my character like the you know embodiment of all things starfleet um when clearly like like he's just an ensign level one ensign kind of thing Okay, good. Finish your thought. Right. So, and, and I'm not sure that this perfectly addresses the secondary part of what you're saying, um, being like an ensign and, and pushing that knowledge through. The, the first part that you were talking about where we're concerned about you being like that guy, um, and this might be a little bit specific to this theoretical game that we're talking about because it doesn't necessarily filter down. So help me translate this. Um, I think the very first thing that I would do with you in that Star Trek game is I would say, well, let's make sure that you're not the captain, right? So that you can provide information, but there is someone kind of in a position above you whose orders you're going to end up following so that you still have a reason to go along with this plot as a character, right? Yeah. Even if it doesn't make sense or whatever it is, and I'll retrofit on the back end when it doesn't make sense. Um, and I think that that's, that's potentially a key situation for Star Trek because we can create that um, hierarchy. I don't necessarily know how that would translate to a game without a hierarchy, right? Um, I think you would probably, you know, we would want to make sure that we'd set up a situation in which um, there was a relationship to another character that if they were going along with it, you would go along with it, even if your character disagreed or whatever it was. Well, you know, your your significant other or, you know, family member or something. Um, that we would create a situation in which you still had an in-character reason to go along with something that you might be like, meh, this doesn't make sense. Um, in terms of like the feeding knowledge through a character who might not actually have that knowledge, I think that one's actually a little trickier. Um, and I think it probably would come down to a conversation between you and me as a GM uh, just about how to approach um, out of character knowledge and like spilling out of character knowledge all over the table, right? Because I don't have a problem with you saying things out of character um, that are related to what we're doing or like having more knowledge about it, saying things out loud. Because here's the other thing. 
there's a, you know, probably a varied amount of Star Trek knowledge across the other members of the table, too. And they may not remember the episode that you're talking about or something like that. Or maybe they all remember it, too, and I don't, right? So I don't think that it's a terrible thing to have knowledge come out at the table. But I think that maybe there's a discussion there about um, how to um, insert out-of-game knowledge without interrupting the game and without breaking character in the game um, to have a quick conversation about, ooh, is this like, you know, when such and such happened? Um, you know, is this is this a Tuvok thing, do we think, right? Like, or, or is it something else, right? You know, um... So, yeah, yeah, thoughts. So I think what might be a cool way to kind of moderate this would be if it was tied to um, some sort of token economy. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to quote the specific Star Trek game or whatever, but let's just say that our game has some sort of tokens or we just add a new we token economy. Token. Because you, it's pretty yeah. easy to slam a token economy into pretty much anything. Exactly. <laughs> so not one. maybe, right? So maybe the idea is like, look, um, two tokens per two tokens per session. Your character, um, you can spend these to quote something from the show. Yeah. Right. Like, like your character has read a report like you know yeah you know is like you know is a huge you know is a huge Riker nerd Whatever right so like is. yeah right and knows you know <laughs> that kind of like but only um but only twice in a session can you like spend some token like these tokens so that you don't dominate so i can't dominate the session with a bunch of star trek knowledge but like at a point where i feel like i might burst yeah, right? you could spend one and be like, this, two box, two box. <laughs> yeah, like, it could be like, oh. Are oh, they merged there was together? A, yeah. Right, like, oh, I remember, I, you know, like, I remember back in the Academy, we studied, you know, this incident when Voyager's logs first got shipped home. Yeah. Like, yeah. we had a whole ethical discussion about, you know, using a transporter to separate, you know, two people merged together kind of thing by radioactively tagging one of their DNAs and using the transporter to separate them apart. Sure, Bam. Yeah. Token, right? Yeah. Slide the token over to you. Now shut up, right? Like, Right. And that's <laughs> fine because, like, you know, you might be an ensign, fresh-faced ensign, but that doesn't mean that you didn't have access to this knowledge um, at the Federation campus and be like, you know... You were at the academy. All of this stuff was there. If you happened to study this particular thing for a paper, then you did. You said you did, and that's what you have a token for. Right. I, because, because <laughs> I mean, and that works within the fiction, right? Because, like, all of them are, like, you know, like, all Star Trek people are, are dorks and nerds of some <laughs> caliber, right? But even things like... Um, what was it? When Q first appeared on Voyager, right? Oh, Jane man. Jane right, was Jane, like, no, you. I, I went to a seminar, right? <laughs> yes. She's like, I've been to a briefing I about this guy. I know who you are. Like, right. yeah. <laughs> like, that's the, you and, know. Yeah, I mean, Cisco knew who he was, who he was too, right? Exactly. Like, Picard um, would never punch me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. So, I think, like, the way to control my player base knowledge through my character would be something like either there's a skill I could roll yep. on successful roll of skill. I you could get to you know, share the thing. Yep. Right. Or here's a token economy. You can spout a piece of Trek lore, um, you know, with the, you know, with this token economy and honestly could expand it to be like, look, um, you could just make up a thing. 
like for the other players like you could yeah. just make up a thing yeah um with you know by spending this token like just make it sound good yeah. <laughs> right? like, I just, mean that's fine and 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 honestly I think there's a certain amount of this when it comes right down to it as a GM I think it's about not feeling like you have to have such rigid control over your game that you can't allow one of your players to have more knowledge than you because yeah. it's totally I sit down at a table every time and I work from the assumption that we are all working at the same level of knowledge in a sort of minimal way or that the people at my table may very well have more knowledge about something and then and that's my baseline assumption and then you know but I'm always also happy to work backwards when someone is sitting down into something that they don't know super well. Like if someone sits down at my table and they're like, I've never seen any magical girls, anything. I'm like, cool, let me give you some things that are just like, you know, will give you other means to understand the style of tropes that you are about to experience. Yeah. I was having this exact same thought, right? So, yeah. Um, along those lines, if I was like, okay, look, our game is going to be um, really big on wilderness survival. Sure. Um, I might turn to my knowledgeable player and be like, hey, look, is there a source? Is there a movie we could watch that's got like a lot of good wilderness survival and s- stuff? Is there um, is there some YouTube videos? Is there a wiki page? Is there something that we could watch like as a group, like yeah, on our to own, catch like, us take up. it home as, yeah. to to kind of all fill us in a little? Yeah. Um, and if we're at the if we're at the beginning part of the campaign and we're having this session zero discussion, I might say to the person, like, cool, you know, wilderness survival seems to be a very big part of this game. I'm definitely not a strong wilderness survival GM. What are some of the things that would be helpful for us to know? Right? Yeah. Like to get us into um to get us into the right mindset. Now I do this with pretty much all my games because I am a huge fan of um genres yes so like i want when i play a game i want genre emulation so i will um kind of like make up a thing for my players to like like let's have a let's have a movie night and let's you know watch you know a movie to help inform us like if we're gonna play if we're gonna play a game set in the john wick like in the john wick universe where we've got um you know, we've got the high the high table and like all of the assassins and things like that. We're gonna need to go watch, you know, all three John Wicks so that we can get like a glimpse of that world through the movie. Yeah, and then we can if have you a discussion. Have someone like me who's never seen any of them. Yeah, like for instance, <laughs> at this point, I would be like, "Cool, we have to go watch John Wick at least one and two, but probably we need to watch all three so that you have like as much like I can help fill in some of your knowledge." Or for instance. I will make you Star Trek lists for the next year <laughs> of shows for you to watch. So that, so that we so will that eventually. We, so we can eventually go play Star Trek. Yes. Which, which we are. I mean, which is exactly where we are, which is exactly what we did. And it was the reason I did it because I really wanted to play Star Trek with you. But I also knew you didn't know any Star Trek whatsoever. Any Star Trek. Yeah. And, and that was going to be a rough ride in terms of like getting the genre part, which I love, right? The genre part down. Um, so it was like, cool. The easier thing to do is let's just learn some genre. Let's just go or, watch a bunch of Star Trek, which like, oh no, twist my arm. 
Well, I mean, I did the thing to try to make it less intimidating, which was like, hey, let's not turn on the fire hose. Let's <laughs> like, let me curate some things for you. Like, let's not have to watch all of season one. Right? Well, like, yeah, I mean, let, let's let's be straight up honest. The the only reason I hadn't previously been into Star Trek is because ha- having not been someone who was into Star Trek as a kid, looking then at the massive amount of Star Trek that had come out, which is a significant amount of watching time. Like, let's just be real here. Significant. Covered um, a whole portion of the pandemic. Right. Like, large, large amount. Um trying to understand where to even start was like so overwhelming that I never started. Right. So you, is, you started it by being like, don't worry, I got you. I'll go pick the good ones that you need to see. And then we'll just watch it through. And you did. So I appreciate it. Cause I don't know where I, like I would have had no idea where to start. And if I had started honestly and started watching the original series, I probably would have been like, Right. I don't have and, any nostalgia for this, and it's frankly sort and of terrible. <laughs> not to wander too far off topic, but when it comes to Star Trek, you can literally start at any at any series. But but that's not is, clear from the outside. It's one. It's not clear from the outside, but two, there are things from the other series that show up in a given series. Yes, and so it's not that you will die without knowing those things. Because the writers do a good job of explaining those things within the context of the show. But it is more fun. Yeah. Like, for instance... The trouble with Tribbles, right? Like that? Well, yes. I mean, the trouble with Tribble... Yes, absolutely, right? (laughs) Having watched the TOS one, like, and then seeing DS9, which is kind of a more serious, darker... Like, have this, like, you know, flashback episode is great. The example I was going to bring up was... um, if you had not watched TNG, you really aren't going to completely understand why at the beginning of DS9, Cisco is so uncomfortable being in the same room with Picard. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you get a little of that from the, you get like a little bit of that from the flashbacks, but like there's a lot of, well, and I should say, You'll understand why Cisco is uncomfortable because I think the show does a good job of that. You will probably have a tougher time of understanding why Picard is so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like in <laughs> in in there. Cuz you need to see like a bunch of TNG to have seen his struggle with not only having become locutus but like what happened recovering what he did. Yeah. Yeah, and then after, right, like all right. of that. Anyway. And the way that people perceive him now because even though he wasn't in control of it, you know, all of that. Yeah. Exactly. Off my soapbox, back to cool, the game stuff. Cool. Okay, back so to the game I, stuff, not just all right, Star so, Trek. <laughs> so here's what I think we learned in the second section here. Okay. Which was, we talked about um, ways that we can handle knowledge and get it into the game in a way that isn't going to be um, constantly disruptive. Yeah. Right? And actually kind of makes sense for you know, for the genre, right? My ensign may not know a lot of stuff. My lieutenant might know some more stuff. So we could even get fancier and be like, cool, if you're an ensign, you get one... One token. One token per game. As lieutenant, lieutenant, you get three. (laughs) Yeah, like you get two at lieutenant, three at commander, four at captain, right? Because you just know more stuff, you're older or whatever. Um, Easy, very easy way to make a little mechanic out of that thing um, that kind of controls that... um, we talked about um, we talked about actually doing some learning, right? That's the other part of this, right? Not everybody at the table needs to be an expert in a given thing, but if everybody in the table has a certain 
base knowledge, it's probably enough to get by. Yeah, this is another one of those scenarios, though, where, to be fair, right, if we talk about this in terms of a one-shot instead of in terms of a campaign, there's probably less expectation that we would go off and watch a bunch of movies or consume a lot of content to go to a convention and play a game or something like that, or even to play a game in person with people that you already know. Um, So I think... The I think the recommendation of like for a campaign doing some research as a group is like super good. But I will say I think this is a place where as one shots, this probably differs that I would probably just go back to relying pretty exclusively on that conversation, which wouldn't even really be a session zero, but like a pregame conversation about the level of realism, etc. And the key part, the uh, which is the other thing that we did talk about um, in this section, which is as a GM not being... Um, not being a dick about someone at your table, knowing more about whatever thing you're playing the game about than you do. Um, Because it's really not a big deal. It's not a commentary on you. You shouldn't be offended by it. It's fine. There's just people, some people carry more knowledge about specific things around in their heads. And as a GM, I think that it's our job generally, um, as long as they're not being, you know, nasty about it. I think it is generally our jobs to reward people for just, you know, having cool knowledge that they can lay down at the table. Like, I have never seen that as a bad thing. Um, I think there are certainly people who can play with it in ways that um, can be disruptive to the table. As long as it's not disruptive to to my table, Um, then it's awesome if somebody has a ton of knowledge about that thing, right? And I think when it comes right down to it, and maybe this is our conclusion, um, see how you feel about it since we don't have any notes. I think our, our kind of our conclusion about this is very much that um, the key for dealing with more information um, about however you're playing as a player is to not make it disruptive to the table, right? And that's something that you get to collaboratively do with the rest of the table and the GM. How do you get to use that knowledge in ways that are fun without ruining the game or making the game difficult for everybody else. And that's that's really what we're talking about. That's really mm-hmm. all the tips and hints and everything that we've talked through. Um, we've finally gotten to our, our end point, which is, um, you know, have the conversations that you need to have, some of which we've recommended, but if other ones make more sense for your particular circumstance, have the conversations that you need to have to make sure that um, everybody is going to still have fun at the table and going to be involved and invested Um for for that particular game yeah everything you said i only want to tack on just a a, a tad more onto that do it which is um the have the like literally have the conversation that senda and i had have both sides of it right have the as a gm ask like hey what is your concern being like kind of our knowledge expert here about me running the game Right. Yes. Ask that to the player. And then from the player side, ask the question, you know, like, be honest as the knowledgeable person. What can I do to share some of this knowledge, but not be a jerk about it? Yeah. Right. Because if because we're assuming we're assuming and I think rightfully so that if you're playing with people that you, you know, like, care about and, you know, love that that's all you guys really want is. I would like to share my knowledge, but I want to share it in a way that's not disruptive or destructive to the game. Mm-hmm. And if I'm the person who knows less, then it's like, well, I want you to share your knowledge, but in a way that isn't going to, you know, like trash our session, ruin a game, that kind of thing. Yeah. And as we've said in so many episodes, <laughs> the secret of this is always communication. What we do here on the show 
is try to help you frame that communication so that you're saying what you need to say. And I'm hoping that from just our candid talk today that um, that came through, that having this candid talk about just, you know, um, what are our concerns and just talking through them, right? We actually solved them right here on the show. There is nothing. I mean, I can tell you, like normally we have a note, a shared notebook between us with some notes. We have nothing. We are just talking to each other. I have a piece um, but, of paper that says which show I'm going to use for the blurb at the end. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and we were able to, you know, we were able to find things that would absolutely work if you were to run Star Trek. Yeah. And I yeah, think cool. apply to other situations too, or that you can extrapolate to other situations. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. Wrap it up. Yeah. Do you want cool, the blurb? Cool, because I yeah, wrote down I which do. one we were gonna have. That's that's where I would like to go to next. Is, is could the, you do the blurb and then the I'll do the, and I'll start us on the closing. The one thing I wrote down. Cool. So you should, if you like the show, you should check out another show also on the Misdirected Mark Network. They just came back from their uh, holiday hiatus. And uh, they're back at it, and we're excited to have them making shows again. You should check out Bonus Experience with Monica and Ray, who are two old friends exploring gameplay and design through the lens of diversity while also sharing some of the dumbest humor that gaming has to offer. They are fantastic, um, and you should probably give them a listen. Cool. Say, Senda, where do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas.Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, just like our topic giver for today did. Please let me know how you intended the handle, the online handle, to be pronounced, because I'm not 100% sure, and I hope I got... Hopefully one of those two was right. Um... And uh, you can, so you can leave us a note there. Um, you can uh, drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com, or you can leave us a message somewhere, tag us in on the Tiki Talkies. And those two uh, TikToks are the same as our Twitter handles. So at Idella Mithland and at DNA Phil, you can find us there um, and drop us a video. If you do that, we will use your audio. It's mm-hmm. kind of exciting. Just saying. Cool, cool. And indeed. And, I guess I kind of talked about leaving us topics, but you know, how, how, how else could they do it? What, what are we looking for? Yeah, we are looking for questions. We are looking for problems you might be having. We're looking for the things that you just don't enjoy doing as a GM um, or a player. Like, yeah, or a player. Let's, let's be clear. We're, we, we, we serve both sides of this equation, um, but we want your role-playing sessions to be more better fun. Um, and so what we want to do is just get rid of anything that's kind of holding you up or dragging you along. So if it's a question, if it's a concern, if it's just something you need more knowledge on, um, if it's a hypothetical, just like, you know, just like today's discussion, give us those. We will make a show out of it. We are adept at creating a show from one of these things. We will do it. Just send it our way and we'll make it happen. Our goal here, as it has always been, is the easier it is and the more enjoyable it is for you to be a GM, especially a GM, um, the more you will GM, the more you GM, the more people get to play games because we still are in a world where GM driven games are still a, a thing. And I'm for it for now. Um, I, I like you know, both. I do I, like both. I but go both I'm, ways on this one. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I like both on, on this one too, but I'm, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for GM and GMing advice. Um, having done it for so long. Anyway, our goal is um, the more, the easier it is for you to um, play your games, the more enjoyable, the more you'll do them, the more this hobby just perpetuates forward into the future, which is what we want. Huzzah. Huzzah. Okay. 
If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to uh, the Bamboo Lounge, Mm -hmm. the um, after show from the Misdirected Mark, and our Slack Room for Life, which includes our Friday luncheons, um, which are a blast. Um, they're They're a bit of a rodeo. Um, conversation wise as they get up to like sometimes 10 or 12 people on zoom um, but um, can be a lot of fun and pretty funny actually there's some pretty funny ones Um, anyway um, all of those things are the things you get when you come join up with us Um, we appreciate it greatly it takes a bit of money to run this network to actually make things happen month to month Um, and that is all possible because of your generosity so thank you Um, we appreciate it greatly Say, Senda, what are your concerns about me running a Sailor Moon game? Oh, boy. (laughs) My primary concern is I don't think you've ever seen a single episode of Sailor Moon. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Bloop. Clicky. Tiara, Tiara, Tiara. Yep, we're good. I got it. Oh, boy. All right. Fast start. You ready? Fast start. Uh huh. Sure. Fast start. An hour later. Bloop. Do, 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 do,